what someone believes has a huge impact on the way they live. A guy called Victor Hugo Souza. He's the mayor of this small Mexican town. Last week he married Alicia Adriana because he said that we love each other. Alicia, of course, wore a white bride's dress and the ceremony took place in the local town hall surrounded by many friends and neighbours. And afterwards they danced together to the sounds of traditional music. Now, none of that sounds out of the ordinary. None of that sounds strange. Until you learn that Alicia is actually a caiman, which is like a small alligator. This is a ceremony that's taken place over the last 200 years in that area, and it's to commemorate the peace that was was brought uh, between two kind of warring factions, two kind of indigenous tribes, when the, 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 the king of one tribe married the princess of another. But why an alligator? Why a caiman? Well, it's because they believe that this reptile is a, a deity, a god, representing Mother Earth. And our marriage to the local leader is supposed to bring prosperity to all the people there. What you believe has a huge impact on what you do. I think Emily's wedding will be a little bit different from that one. If you believe something strange, then it leads you to do some strange and unhelpful behaviours. The writer of Hebrews knew this. And so as we saw last week, if you're with us, from Hebrews chapter 13, he warned his readers, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. This writer, he didn't want his readers to be dragged back into the beliefs and behaviours of Judaism, of their Old Testament, their Old Covenant belief system, because he knew that they trusted in Jesus. And so those things from the past were now unnecessary. They were redundant. So he's warning them, don't get pulled back into those old traditions. But what kinds of things should they do together? If they were going to be a community of believers who were committed to Jesus, who were living for him, then what should that look like? What kind of things should mark, should characterise that church community? As a church, what were they called to do? So we're going to read uh, just three of them. Three things that we're called to do. And it's from Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 to 19. And Jim is going to come up and he's going to read for us uh, this morning. So Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 15 to verse 19. Come on up, Jim. If you just use that microphone, that would be great. So let's read the word of God together. Hebrews 13, verse 15 to 19. Therefore by him let us continually offer sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share 
for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, submissive for they watch over your souls as those who must, must give an account. Let us do so with joy and not with grief, for that they would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honourably, but in especially urge you to do this, that I might be restored to you the sooner. Amen. And may God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. Thank you, Jim. There are three things, as I said, that this community was called to do. The first of it of them was to worship. In the old covenant, uh, what the, the Jewish uh, community had lived under, only the Levitical priests could go into the tabernacle or into the temple to offer sacrifices to God. If you weren't a male descendant of Aaron, then you had no opportunity to do this. But through the new covenant, this new agreement that's been secured through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, each of us who have trusted in Jesus, whether we're male or female, young or old, whether we know a lot or whether we're just learning, we have all been made a priest. In God's kingdom. This is what John wrote in Revelation chapter 1. He said this about Jesus. The one who loves us and has freed us from our sin. By his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests. To serve his God and Father. So if we've trusted in Jesus, we have this, this privilege, this, this direct access into God's holy presence to present sacrifices to Him. Now, that's not to pay for our sin. This is not to try and make ourselves right with God. Because if you've been with us through Hebrews, as we've been studying this book, you'll have been seen that Jesus has accomplished this already. As Emily and Megan sang, the battle has already been won. He has appeared, Jesus has appeared once for all, at the end of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus has done it all. So we just need to accept it as a gift from him. So we're not called to make sacrifices to pay for our sin. Rather, verse 15 tells us, through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. We're to bring our worship, our thanks, to honour and glorify God for his attributes and his actions. For all that he is and all that he has done in this world and in our lives. And we can do this through our words. If you see on verse 15 it goes on to say, the fruit of lips 
that confess his name. That would include our songs or our prayers. When we speak to God and when we speak about God. Now I know that in church we call those guys uh, who, who lead us in our, in our singing time our worship team. The other people who can sing and play really well. Much better than me. I know some of you can sing, but I can't. I can make a lot of noise. So these, these are our worship team. But the reality is, we're all the worship team, isn't it? We're all called to worship. Whenever we, we meet together, we're all called to worship God through our singing and our speaking and our praying. This is what Peter says. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. And of course, we don't need to wait for Sundays to do that. We don't just need to do that once a week. Our verse said, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. So we can do this every day. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. But we don't just worship God through our words. We're also called to do this through our work. Look at verse 16, please. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. Now we need to be really careful here. We're not saved by doing lots of good works. We cannot be saved through earning or achieving or or living a good life or any of that. We can only be saved by faith in Jesus. Excuse me. As we receive the gift of salvation as a gift of God's grace. Nothing that we do will ever achieve or earn or pay back the salvation that Jesus won for us on the cross. So we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved to do good works. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has made us new in Jesus so that we will live to serve Him, to honour Him, that we'll be guided by His will, we will be motivated by His, His love, we will be empowered by His strength to live for Him each day. And when we do this, when we do good for other people, when we share what we have with other people, whether it's our money, our time, our resources, our care, the gospel. And when we do this as an expression of our faith in Jesus, then God accepts that as a sacrifice of praise to Him. We worship Him when we do that. This is how Paul The Apostle Paul, he talked about a gift that the Philippian church, they sent him some money. And this is how he described this money. 
This gift that was sent to support him and his ministry. He said, they are a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice. Pleasing to God. We give because of our faith in Jesus. We are worshipping the Lord. And in fact, that can be true of everything that we do in our lives. When we do it for Christ. This is an incredible verse in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That verse was written to slaves. Slaves. People who were actually in slavery. Who were being forced to work. Not, not for money, not for anything, but just because they were being owned by somebody else. And yet Paul could say, no, you're not serving those masters who've enslaved you. If you do it for the Lord, you're actually serving the one true and living God. So yes, we're meeting to worship God this morning. What an awesome privilege that is. But tomorrow, when we go to work, or when we care for our family, or when we clean the house, or when we set up for kids' camps, when we look after kids, when we run events, when we share the gospel, when we make sandwiches, when we cook meals, whatever we do, we can do this as a sacrifice of praise to God. We can do that as an act of worship. It elevates everything that we do up to the highest of goals and purposes. But did you notice the writer called a sacrifice of praise? I don't know about you, but sacrifice well, it sounds costly. It would be even difficult or painful. And that's right, isn't it? It's not always easy to lift our voices to praise God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't feel like it. You ever come to church and you just don't feel like coming? You don't feel like singing? You don't feel like lifting your voices and, and rejoicing in God? It's often also not, not easy to do good for, to others. To share what we have with them. Sometimes you want to just keep it for yourself. Sometimes you don't want to serve. But that's okay. King David... He wanted to use a place on which to build an altar for God. The, the owner of that site where he wanted to build the altar, he wanted to give it to David for free. He said, no, no, you just, just take it. But David refused. He insisted on paying in full for it. This is what he said in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, 24. I will not take for the Lord what is yours. Or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. So the fact that our worship is costly. The fact that serving God with all our hearts and minds and soul is difficult. The fact that sometimes we really need to push ourselves to do this. 
That's not a barrier to making that sacrifice. Instead, it's an opportunity to just show, really, how much we value who God is and what he has done in our lives. The cost is part of our worship. The fact is, a sacrifice shows how much we love the one that we are serving. So that's a challenge to us when we might think of stopping coming to church or reading our Bibles or getting involved in ministry because, as sometimes I've heard people say, well, I'm not getting anything out of it these days. You ever heard anybody say that? You ever heard yourself think that, maybe? I don't feel like doing that because I'm, not, I'm just not getting anything out of it. Well, getting something out of it is not supposed to be the motivation for doing it in the first place. A sacrifice of praise is not about what we can get out of. It's supposed to be a sacrifice for God because of what already He has done in our lives. What He has already done in saving us and rescuing us and bringing us into a relationship with himself. We don't do it in order to get, we do it to give. To express our gratitude and our thanks. So if you're not getting anything out of it just now, well focus on what you're giving and who you're giving to. not supposed to be motivated by getting something out of it, But actually, we do get something out of it. We are blessed by this. This call to worship is not a call to a dreary duty of coming and singing songs to God or going and doing ministry and thinking, oh, okay, I need to do this today. That's not the call. Rather, it's a call to rejoice in God. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. A guy called C.S. Lewis, he wrote this. Praise not merely expresses, but completes our enjoyment. In commanding us to glorify God, He has invited us to enjoy Think about it this way. If you're into sport in any sense, right? If you're into sport and you like watching it, and you're, like, you're watching your team, well, that naturally spills out into praise. If you're told that you're standing there watching your team and you're not allowed to cheer, you're not allowed to celebrate, you're not allowed to be able to shout or, or, or express anything, it would completely ruin the experience often told people about how I broke the, the ceiling light in our living room when Ireland scored a goal in the World Cup a number of years ago, a long time ago. I think it was Robbie Keane. If anybody remembers Robbie Keane, remember? He scored, scored a brilliant goal and jumped up and broke the light. It wasn't because I was told to do that. I had to apologise afterwards, of course, to somebody. Uh, but it's because when you, when you express praise, it completes the enjoyment of that, that you're praising. It completes, it increases our joy. And it's the same with praising God. It's in praising God that we enter more fully into His intimate presence. Our minds are filled with thoughts and, and the joy of the glory of God. And our hearts burst 
with that joy. So living a life of sacrifice, of praising God, is a, is a privilege, it's a joy. But even more amazing, I think, it's not just pleasing to us, it's actually pleasing to God. Now, of course, we could just be here this morning and just be going through the motions. We could just be singing songs and saying stuff and going doing stuff. If we did that, well, that wouldn't be pleasing to God. Jesus said that much of the worship of the Jewish nation at his, when, when he was on earth was in vain because he said, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They were just going through the motions. And that's of no value to God. But if we worship the Father in spirit and in truth, if it's an authentic expression of how much we love and value Him, if it's in keeping with the truth of who He is and what He has done, if it's an expression of our faith in Jesus, then the incredible reality is with such sacrifices, God is pleased. God is pleased. amazing privilege. What an incredible opportunity. If we answer the call to worship God through our words and through our work, then we can please the Lord. We can bring pleasure to the one we love because he first loved us. That's the first call. Call to worship. Secondly, To help us to do that, God has appointed leaders that we're called to follow. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Now, as we saw last week, when when the writer talks about leaders here, he's talking about what the new, uh, new other passages of the New Testament mention as elders or overseers or pastors. Those who lead in church, especially through teaching God's word. And last week we were thinking about how we should remember and imitate the faith of those who have taught us God's word in the past. But here the focus is on those who lead us today. We need to be willing to submit to their authority and let them direct us in our church communities. That's because of what they're called to do. They're they're called to keep watch over us, to serve us. They're leaders who are called to serve. Church is not a hierarchy with bosses who lord it over others. Rather it's a family where God has appointed some to look after their brothers and sisters in Christ by teaching them God's truth, by guiding them in God's way, by guarding them against the deception of false teaching. This is what Paul taught the readers, the leaders, sorry, from Ephesus. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church. Be pastors, that's the word. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. As a church, we belong to Jesus. Because he bought us with his own blood. That's how much he values us. And he's entrusted us into the care of leaders who are called to serve 
not their flock, but God's flock. His precious people. And so, their authority is not absolute. They don't own the church. Rather, they are men, as it says in verse 17, who must give an account. We are called to submit to leaders as they submit to God, the one who has appointed them and to whom they are accountable. You're called to submit to leaders who are submitting, not who are bossing. So obedience and submission to leaders is limited. It's not complete. It's not absolute. It's limited. We're only called to submit to leaders insofar as that's compatible with our obedience and submission to God. If any leader or teacher encourages us to do something that's in contrary to the clear teaching of Scripture, then they are wrong. And we have the, 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 the right to refuse to obey. I've said it loads of times to people. If I say anything that's not consistent with Scripture, then please don't listen to me. I'm wrong. Because the Bible is the truth. The Bible is the authority. Not me. As the Apostle said to the Sanhedrin, the leaders of their day, we must obey God rather than men. But in general, obedience and submission is actually for our good. Verse 17 again says this, Obey them, that's the leaders, so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. If the job of leaders is to care for the church, then it's of no advantage to us to continually discourage them by resisting their leadership. This is what a healthy church looks like. It's, it is when leaders answer God's call to lead well. And it's when we as believers answer God's call to follow well. Both are required. And both are supposed to do this in answer to God's call and His authority in our lives. We're called to worship. Called to follow. Just finally and briefly. We're called to pray. Verse 18. Pray for us. The specific prayer request that the writer had here was that he wanted to be able to come and visit these, these Christians that he'd been writing to. He said in verse 19, I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. He didn't just want to write them a letter and, and leave it at that. He wanted to go and visit them and fellowship with them and encourage them. But this is a general reminder for us that prayer should be the heart of the church. That's because, well, we should long to spend time in God's presence. This is how Psalm 42 put it. As the deer pants for, the war, for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Prayer is not first and foremost about asking things from God. It's actually about seeking God himself. 
It's an expression of our, of our desire, our hunger, just to be in God's presence. To fellowship with Him. And we do this because, as we've thought about already, as, as believers in Jesus, we have direct access into God's presence. The Old Testament believers, they didn't have that access. But through the death and resurrection of Christ, we do. Verse 19 in Hebrews 10 told us that we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that's the innermost presence of God, by the blood of Jesus. We have a privilege that the believers in the Old Testament did not have. So surely if we've got that wonderful privilege, we would want to make the best of that. We want to enter into that more and more. We'd want to spend time in prayer. But of course we should also pray because we need it. We need help from God. And he's invited us into the process of providing that help through prayer. This is what Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And we all need this. We have our own, our own prayer list. If you're on our WhatsApp group, then you'll, you'll see that at the end of our announcements on a Sunday morning. If you're not on the WhatsApp group, please just ask and I'll put you on. And we can add you to that. But that list of people who are, we're asking you to pray for, that's not all the people who need prayer. Because we all need prayer. The writer of this letter had an incredible understanding of God. He had an incredible relationship with God. He's written things in his letter that we really struggle to get our heads around. He even could say here in verse 18, we are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. He was really living for God. And yet he still wanted his readers to pray for him. He still had that Awareness of his need of God's help. So did the Apostle Paul. He regularly in his letters asked his readers to pray for him. Brothers, pray for us, he said to the Thessalonian church. Those writers, they knew that our Heavenly Father has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. They knew that Jesus always lives to intercede for us. Jesus is in heaven today and he's praying for us. They knew that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Today the Holy Spirit living within us, he's interceding for us. And yet they still asked their brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for them. To stand with them in prayer. So we need that prayer support. We're called to devote ourselves to praying for each other. Because we want to spend time with God, because we've got that absolute, amazing, incredible access into God's presence. But also because we need the help that only God can provide in our lives. And He wants to give us that in answer to our prayer. So as believers, we don't need to be involved in weird rituals, thankfully, or dead traditions. 
But instead we're called to live out our faith in Christ together. To worship God through our words and our works for all that He is and all that He has done through Jesus. To follow the leaders that He has appointed to watch over the people that He bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And to pray entering into the incredible privilege that we have to intercede for others in the name of Jesus. So I pray that each one of us would be committed to fulfilling God's call in our lives for His honour and for His glory.